Paul admonishes believers in the Thessalonian church to not be shaken in mind or troubled in spirit concerning the timing of the coming of the Lord Jesus. It's interesting for me to note in 2023 that many, many years before, people would get nervous when you talked about the coming of the Lord like some do today. They were nervous about the subject of the coming of the Lord. They were anxious in the church in Thessalonica, and to that end, Paul wrote and instructed to not be shaken in mind. Don't be troubled in your spirit. He went on to say in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 7, For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. That they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. As just a side note, and for the blessing of believers, I wish to make sure we understand that the fight between righteousness and unrighteousness is not a fair fight. No. No, if you've ever thought that on one side of the equation is God and on the other side of the equation is the devil as his equal, that is not true. Because the Bible simply says that the ambassador of evil, the lawless one, or the anti-Christ, He will be revealed, but note what Paul said. Whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. It's not a fair fight. It's not going to be a fair fight. The Bible simply says that God will exhale and Antichrist will be no more. That God will show up and just the brightness of his coming will destroy the lawless one. Oh, I hope I got a few people that will help me preach on Sunday morning. You and I, if we believe in the Lord Jesus, we're on the winning side. We have chosen the right team. We're not up for debate as to who's going to win this epic battle. In the end, Jesus will triumph. In the end, the lawless one will be put down. And yet, resident within this New Testament passage is a poignant word 
that really describes the age in which we live. It is the word lawless, chaos, confusion, and disorder. And I quote, things fall apart. The center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. End quote. Let me just say that again. Things fall apart. The center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. Words which seem to adequately identify this out-of-orbit age in which we find ourselves today. And yet, ironically, these words were penned by a poet by the name of William Butler Yeats one century ago. Words which seem strangely appropriate now. Can I just tell us on this Sunday morning... We've been getting where we're at for quite a while. We've been getting to where we're at for a while. Scientific advances and the 18th century enlightenment freed human beings some 200, 300 years ago from many restraints including religious, political, and mental ones but presented citizens with no unifying goal for them to seek. And so, since then, and we can chronicle this in history, various movements, one or the other, communism, free love in the 1960s and the 70s, have attempted to fill the emotional needs that were once offered by religion. But these secular substitutes were deeply flawed and every one of them failed. And so capitalism rose and the goal was to maximize profits, but it has also been insufficient in its ultimate aim. In the early 1970s, in his books, The Small is Beautiful and a Guide for the Perplexed, E.F. Schumacher identified a central problem. Science, he wrote, cannot produce ideas by which we could live. They conveyed nothing about the meaning of life. And so, in the absence of any higher goal for life, technology and economics become dominant. Shoemaker went on to write, whatever becomes technologically possible must be done. Society must adapt itself to it. The question whether or not it does any good is ruled out. Technology, he feared, tends to develop by its own laws and principles, and these are very different from those of human nature or of a living nature in general. It's amazing the chaos that the world is in. It's amazing the disorder that we are bombarded with every single day. And yet, and yet, 
in this evil abyss, God has designed and is constructing a moral alternative. Oh, yes, he is. When surrounded by the hedonism of Roman culture, it was idolatry of man worship as rulers like Augustus and others chose to believe that they were the son of God. But in that reality, Jesus assembled his closest followers to himself in a region north of Jerusalem called Caesarea Philippi. And he simply asked a pointed question. Whom do men say that I am? They began to respond the best that they knew. John the Baptist, perhaps, Elijah, Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. And then almost without warning, Jesus takes it out of the macro world and brings it down to the micro world when he looks at them with pointed eyes and says, but who do you say that I am? It was in this nervous few moments that Simon Peter, ever impetuous, piped up and under the inspiration of God said, you are the Christ. When he declared him as Christ, he was separating this Jesus from any other man that was named Jesus in that day. He said, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. It so impressed Jesus of Nazareth that he boldly began to lock in on Simon Peter. And he penned words found through Matthew's pen. On this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth is going to be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth is going to be loosed in heaven. Oh, I feel it strong in my spirit on this Sunday. I'm going to preach to us that an out-of-control world needs a supernatural church. An out-of-control world needs a supernatural church. Come on, honey. We've come so far in our culture. We don't need a patty cake church. We don't need a vanilla church. We don't need a Jesus lay me down to sleep church. We need a powerful, blood-bought, Jesus name, apostolic, authority-given church. That's what this world needs. That's what this world needs. Turn to someone and say, that's what this world needs. Oh, I got to preach it. That's what Cabot needs today. That's what Lone Oak County needs today. That's what the state of Arkansas needs today. That's what the United States of America needs today. That's what Dearborn, Michigan needs today. That's what Glendale, California needs today. That's what Stockton, California needs today. We need a supernatural church. Oh, yeah. Brother Dexter, we need it in Mountain View. 
We need it in your hometown, wherever you're from. You know what your hometown needs? They don't need another Sonic. They don't need a Dollar General. They don't need a Walmart to have success. It needs a move of God. It needs a supernatural church. It needs a people with an anointing and a people with an empowering that comes from the name of Jesus. This out-of-control world needs a supernatural church. Praise God. Praise God. You see, Jesus, the head of the church, had a collision with his culture. Let me say that again. Jesus, who is the head of the church, had a collision with his culture. He walked into a synagogue as his custom was. This time it was in Nazareth, his hometown. And he took out the writings, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. When they handed him the scroll, he unrolled it and found the place where it was written and began to declare it out loud. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now I have preached this before, so I'll preach it again. This was his home synagogue. This was where he grew up. And I can imagine while he is declaring the words of Isaiah that people are looking at him and they're smiling at him and remembering changing his diaper and remembering cuddling with him and remembering when his voice changed as a teenager and remembering all the things about this Jesus of Nazareth. And everything was fine until he had an afterthought after he read Isaiah. And while he's seated, after declaring the words of Isaiah, he said, oh, by the way, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Now, brothers and sisters, I get up on Sunday morning and talk about miracles and signs and wonders and healings and great demonstration of God's power. And all it's ever going to be is someone else's idea and someone else's future until the church rises up and says if it's in that Bible, then it's for us today. Today is this scripture fulfilled in our ears. Right now, today, in 2023, before we get to 2024, before we get to the month of December, before we start a brand new week in November, today it is fulfilled. Now I want you to notice what the head of the church said. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. It is the spirit that fills the church. But it is the anointing that enables the church. And Jesus, in, in, in responding to the words of Isaiah, said, The Spirit is on me, and the anointing is enabling me to preach, to heal, to proclaim, and to set free. To preach 
to heal, to proclaim, and to set free. And so if the captain of the church, if the head of the church said that the spirit was on the head to preach, to heal, to proclaim, and to set free, this is the foundation for this church. What God is calling us to in 2023 on the brink of a brand new year is to preach as the Spirit is on us, to heal as the anointing enables us, to proclaim the word of the Lord and to set people free. This is the foundation of the church. Now, I don't wish to insult anybody's intelligence, but I do have to make it plain today. Look at someone and say, Pastor, make it plain right now. I heard about one lady when the pastor was preaching, she would, she would holler out, drive that nail. Someone will drive the nail right now. I'm going to drive the nail right now. If the spirit is on Jesus, and the enabling is causing him to preach the gospel, to proclaim, to heal, and to set free. And if that same privilege and responsibility is on the church today, he's the head of the church, we're the body of Christ today. Here's the question, not a trick question. How is that going to happen? Is it going to happen when we kind of get in this ethereal realm. We have one of those Sunday services that we walk out and say, we've never had church like that before. Is that what it's going to take? Is that what it's going to take? Is it going to take another prayer meeting? Is it going to take... Another time in the presence of God. Now listen, don't run down the road where I'm not going right now. I'm not talking about not having prayer meetings. But honey, we've got enough power in this room right now to turn this city upside down right now. And so here's the word of the Lord for us today. Preach. Heal. Proclaim. And set free. You and I are surrounded by people who are hurting. People that are desperate. People that need a breakthrough. We're going to find people the last few days of November that need a breakthrough in their family. They need somebody to pray for them for a healing in their body or a restoration in a relationship. I am commissioning every believer in this house. Preach the gospel. Set people free. Proclaim the word of the Lord. Get out and watch God work on our behalf. Let me ask you a question. Would it be all right if God used you? Not a trick question. Would it be all right if God used you to see a miracle come to place? You just see a show of hands. Would that be all right with you? If you prayed for someone in the office this week and they said two days later, I don't know what happened. I don't know what you got. 
but the pain in my back is completely gone. My son called me for the first time in four weeks. Come on, can anybody believe God to use you to set people free, to heal bodies? It's the spirit that comes on us, and it is the anointing that enables us. This is the foundation for the church. But can I just tell us this? I need to make sure we get this. A church is only as strong as its foundation. And I'm not talking about just the number of years, but its practices. Paul said this to the Colossians, Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. This message was not just to the church at Colossae, but it was also for the Corinthians in that Grecian city. When Paul said, I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, I was with you in fear, and I was with you in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul said, I didn't come impressing you with my words. I came believing and trusting in the supernatural power of God. He said, I didn't want your faith to stand. I didn't want your faith to stand in my words. I wanted your faith to stand in the supernatural power of God. And brothers and sisters, friends, on Sunday morning, our faith is going to stand somewhere. I'm praying that we as a church corporately get to the place where God performs miracles and it doesn't surprise us. And so I made up in my mind, Sister Celinda, I know you've been in a difficult season in your family, but I, every time I lay my hands on your father, I am believing that God is able to raise him up. And it's not going, I don't know what God's going to do, but it will not surprise me if God raises Lloyd Shirley up. Now, some, some of you are going to post it all over Facebook, should that happen, and act like that's a big surprise. His word says that he's a healer. His word says that he's a miracle worker. I'm believing. I'm going to ask for it until we can ask for it no longer. I believe he is a miracle worker, and I don't want it to surprise me. How many of you have something in your life that you need a miracle over? Wave your hand at me. You have something in your life you need a miracle over. We're going to pray today and believe that God's going to answer and it's not going to surprise us because we know he's the head of the church. And we know that he's put that same anointing and that same spirit within his church. Let's thank him for it right now. Let's praise him for it right now. Come on, would you put your hands together and clap heartily to the Lord?
Would you lift up your voice heartily to the Lord right now? Heartily to the Lord right now. Heartily to the Lord right now. You're a miracle worker, God. You've done so much through this church. Very early on in the life of this church, the Lord asked me a question. Tim, what kind of church do you want? That's, that's pretty thought-provoking right there. What kind of church do you want? And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I want a church in Cabot that makes room for your demonstrated power. And so for nearly 25 years, God has shown his demonstrated power. Can I just tell you, you preach about people being baptized in the name of Jesus. People will get baptized in the name of Jesus. We believe that God will work supernaturally. God will work supernaturally. Because we as a church have the same mandate that the head of the church has. To preach the gospel. To proclaim. To heal. And to set free. Now, those of you that have been a part of this church for a while, you will notice that I don't do a whole lot of preaching on barely making it. <laughs> because I believe our words are powerful. And I don't believe that in that book, believers are meant to barely make it. No. Do I believe there's struggles that come to believers? Yes. Does the rain fall on the just and the unjust? Yes. Are there horrible things that we got to walk through? Absolutely. Are there things that we don't understand? Yes. But when I have yielded my life over to the head of the church, I am more than a conqueror. I am victorious through the head of that church. In all these things, Paul said, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Praise God. This early church that is our model, it is our template for being a church that's been talked about even as recently as this morning in our track. It was birthed in the supernatural demonstration of God. Supernatural power is in our DNA. And when that early church was unified together, and when that early church shared the blessings in Acts 2, 44, and when that early church daily worshiped God together, and when that early church ate meals together in each other's houses with gladness and unified hearts, when that early church was committed to praising God, the Bible says that God brought favor among the people, and God added daily to the church such as should be saved. That means on Wednesday night in three days when we gather together in homes, oh, I need to lift somebody's thoughts right now. That's not just a nice little 
oh, we're coming together for small group. That's the Bible example of eating together, connecting together in someone's house, and we can expect God's supernatural power because that's part of our foundation. Is this making sense today? Paul said this, Paul picked up the mantle of Jesus when to the Philippians, he said, the things which you have learned and the things which you have received and the things which you have heard and the things that you have seen in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. Now, allow me for just about two or three minutes before I call us to prayer. Allow me just to speak faith over somebody here who needs the miracle. You need God to come down on a Sunday morning and November the 26th, 2023 would be the good day for that to happen. The first thing I want to share with you from the word of God and speak over you today is that God is a creative God. He is. He's not a God that copycats. He's not a God that looks for somebody else's example. He's a creative God. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 3, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. God can take nothing and make everything. And so God can take what looks like no success and bring about success. God can walk into space and create. God can step into blankness and provide some substance. He is a creative God. But God is also a restoring God. Isaiah prophesied in 53 and 5, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. The very word healed infers restoration of health. The very word itself identifies God as being a restoring God. And so whatever we bring to this church today, whatever need that is front and center in our life today, he is a creative God and he is a restoring God. So he can make something out of nothing and he can bring something back that previously was there. He can do it. That's who he is and what his word says about him. Are you thankful for that today? He is a creative God and he is a restoring God. Here's what we're going to do. In just a moment, I'm going to have us stand all around this room. And I'm simply going to ask for everyone, if you would, and I know for our guests, this is quite an ask, but I will ask nonetheless. I'm going to ask us just to stay where we are at. Listen, I know that we've all had a, a nice week, and we're going to go probably eat some more turkey tonight, or maybe you're tired of it and you don't want any more. I know that we're going to go, and I give you my word, we're not going to keep people and just elongate this. But here's what I also know. There are people hungry for a change in your life. And just perchance, this is our last opportunity. I don't want to miss 
what Jesus wants to do in our midst. So I'm going to ask and employ your, your thoughtfulness on this. I'm going to ask you not to disrupt people around you, not to get distracted right now. We're going to have a couple of ways that we pray. And if the one way is not kind of in your vein, I'm going to ask you to stay tuned because the presence of the Lord is going to rain down on this house today. I've asked the Lord to show his power, show his demonstrated glory. So would you stand with me, please? Would you stand? The first appeal that I will make in this prayer time today is for those who you want the power of God to rest on you and to work through you. You're hungry for that. Listen, you don't have to be a seasoned saint. You don't have to be a long-tenured member. You just have to have the desire and the Spirit of God on you. If you're hungry for God to work through you and God to minister through you, you are the channel that God ministers through. This first appeal is going to be for you. Now, I would just say this. The greatest vessel we could ever be is one that wants God to get all the glory. I am not asking for people to respond right now. Listen to pastor so that we can even remember who it was that did the praying. But rather, God used somebody to perform his kingdom work on the earth in 2023. If that is you, you don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to, don't disqualify yourself right now. You're hungry for God to work through you. And you want that power of God to rest upon you. If that is you, I wish you would come right now and just join me right up here. If that's you, just come quickly. Praise the Lord. If that's you. Those of you that are responding and coming from all over this sanctuary, let me give you the word of the Lord right now. When he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of disease. Jesus broadened it even more. And Paul picked up the mantle when he declared to the Corinthians, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit. To another, faith by the same Spirit, verse 9. To another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. Jesus said in Mark 16, go into all the world, preach the gospel to everyone. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. If someone doesn't believe, he'll be damned. Signs shall follow them that believe. In the name of Jesus, devils will be cast out. People will speak with tongues. Protection will come from danger. They shall lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. What did they do when they heard this from Jesus? They went forth everywhere preaching and the Lord working with them 
and confirming the word with signs following. The demonstration of the Spirit of God made sure the word of God. It made firm the word of God. It established the word of God. When you and I are a channel that the Spirit flows through, it establishes that what is communicated is true. Let me say this. People can say they don't believe in miracles. They can say that today until they have a miracle happen. And when they have a miracle happen that they cannot explain, they may not have every bit of theological discourse down about that, but they cannot say that something supernatural did not happen. When God goes beyond human limits and human ability and does what only an eternal, limitless God can do, people can't say that's not real. So those people who you're going to be praying for when you leave this church and when you go out into this week, and those people that you're going to reach across that desk and lay hands upon and see them recover, do not judge God's power by simply their response. But proclaim, heal, set free. If you're hungry to be used, I wish you would just slip your hands up to the Lord in a posture that says, Lord, I want your spirit to flow through me. Come on, that's beautiful right now. Why don't you tell Jesus exactly what you think about his power flowing through you right now? That's it. That's it. Go ahead. Go ahead and let your voice out to the Lord right now. God, that power, I'm open to that. I don't deserve it. I'm not worthy of being the conduit, Lord, but I'm available. I'm available on Sunday morning. I want your spirit to flow through me. I am a believer in you, and these signs shall follow them that believe. There are children that are lifting up their voice to the Lord that God's going to flow through you, children. There are teenagers and young adults and elders. Come on, that's it that are saying with your mouth right now, I want to be a, a flow. I want to be a channel. I want that anointing of God to, to rub off on somebody. I want to see the supernatural demonstration of God. I pray it in Jesus' name. I speak in the name of Jesus. You're enabling your spirit, God, to come upon every hungry person right now. Your anointing that destroys the yoke, let it rest on every person that has a lifted hand and a lifted spirit. We're going to believe. We're not going to be surprised. We're going to believe that an out-of-control world needs a supernatural church. I pray it in Jesus' name. I pray it in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord. Come on, I want you to thank the Lord that what you are praying for, he is bringing in your life right now. What you are asking God for, he is bringing in your life right now. The hands that are going to heal, the words that are going to be powerful words led by the Lord. Hallelujah. We receive your anointing right now, God. We receive your empowering right now, Lord. We receive your glory in this place right now, Lord. 
for your honor, for the advancement of your kingdom, for the publishing of the great name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. And we're going to put it into practice in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.